0: Yes, we are back. Finally, um, it's been a while. There, there's been a lot going on in my life, and um, i everything's going to uh, towards directions I like. Uh, maybe the podcast has been like up and down as far as consistency goes, and maybe I should be uh, more attentive to uploads and such. But um, generally speaking, this is the tweaking phase, as we've always said, and uh, trying to for- figure out what works best and you know, what, what you guys actually want to hear. So, uh, for me, I personally love the interviews. So we're going to be tinkering, tinkering around with that format. And, uh, hopefully this, uh, next week or so I'm going to be getting, uh, my first round table session. So that's going to be just a group of guys and, uh, different topics. Maybe these are going to be shorter uploads actually, you know, going over the weekly, weekly stuff, you know, week by week. And, um, It's just staying a little bit more relevant, I feel. The other ones are long form, the interviews, and I like them because they get more personal and you get to get get an insight into somebody else's life and their story and I get to learn a lot about um, interviewing on the fly while trying to mix, while trying to then post-production edit and all of that stuff has been confusing and um, figuring the right work cycle is uh, a tricky thing, honestly. I have a lot of respect for those of you out there in post-production now. Especially if you're doing everything from audio and, you know, media platform uploads and, you know, editing videos on the fly. So my respect has gone up because, guys, I do have some good news. Uh, one of the reasons we've been away for so long is uh, I finally got the new video equipment in. I want to thank the guys that uh, make the Ninja Blade products from Atmos. If you guys ever have a DSLR that you can't really use for more than 20 minutes or 25 minutes or some format that stops you at... Uh, Recording past one gigabyte on your SD cards before you have to restart and hit record again. Well, the Atmos Ninja Blade is a blessing. It actually breaks that 30 to 20 minute barrier and lets you record endlessly for live events and such. And specifically for podcasts, resalvages the use for my DSLR. So what does that mean? The upcoming episodes that i will be recording from here on out will hopefully have video ready to go. I'm going to have a GoPro as well, so we're try to get different angles and tinker around with that. But for now, we'll stick to also generating more content and actually getting uh, a bit more diversity in, in the show. It's always been something I wanted ever since we started, and uh, I did a bunch of like pre-recorded uh, interviews. That was Ayad, Dave, also Ghazi, and now this is the last person that I had on my batch of pre-recorded. This is uh, going to be with Am, Am Sparnik. Sparing, sorry. We am Sparink. You're going to see me bumble <laughs> the pronunciation. I'm sorry, Weam. Again, I did it. But uh, Weam has been a, another good friend of mine that um, represents so many of the values and lifestyle goals. I see so many Bahrainis and so many Middle Easterners and Gulf state people just embrace these days. And um, I hope that this is going to be uh, an, an enlightening one-on-one for you guys, it was for me, and I wish I had more time, unfortunately, uh, (laughs) you can't tell, but I was in a rush during this recording, simply because uh, I usually have to turn off the air conditioning in the studio, because I don't want you guys to hear the sound of that air conditioning, and (laughs) it meant we were on a clock, because I usually get the the studio all cool right before we start, and uh, I think I literally put William in the hot seat for that one. So I didn't get to cover as many things as I wanted to, but um, there's definitely going to be part twos coming up and maybe even break down these formats into shorter 20-minute segments. You know, uh, a bunch of you have been uh, describing things you like, things you don't like, and there's been a lot of different opinions, actually. The girls love the one-on-ones, and they love it long, and some people don't. Some people prefer having a round table or even, um, you know, 20-minute to 10-minute videos. But we'll see. We'll see what works best as you guys kind of... Work with me along the way. I just want to plug quickly that uh, WeAm and a lot of her projects, whether they're at Melja or of her own accord, uh, you can find those by following her Instagram tag. If I can just pull that up for a second. we WeAm underscore BH. That is Instagram at am underscore BH. W E A M underscore BH as in Bahrain. Alright, you guys, that's it and uh, enjoy the episode. I'll see you at the end for a, a, a little uh, one-to-one again between the both of us. Hello, and welcome back again to Bedouin Banter. I'm your host, Khaled Dosri. And guys, I'm excited to be in the studio today because finally, after, or what is it, four, three guys in the studio, I'm I'm going to be a bit patronizing right now. We are sound like Got you're a the
1: token woman. You
0: <laughs> have a token woman and she's a happy as well. So I, I, I check all the ethnic boxes as far as I'm concerned. It's perfect. So guys, uh, help me in welcoming uh, We um, Sparing. Sparing. Yes. <laughs> I just asked her. Thanks for her, not trying. I just, I just asked her. I, I, you wouldn't believe me. I just forgot it, like again, <laughs> for like the fourth time since I've known you. Um, yeah, Wehama has been uh, one of the many people I've, I've kind of had the privilege to know in Bahrain because she is a creator, uh, a collaborator. She is someone that is also one of the many people I want to have on the show as far as breaking all labels and boundaries and barriers. She's a cross-cultural kid. It's really hard to display or kind of give an idea of who you are. Like, you don't... You tick all these boxes, but you don't fit in any box either.
1: Never try to put me in a box.
0: Never. Never. No, you just I will scratch your eyes out. Scratch and slap. <laughs> I can tell you that from the D&D campaigns I played with her. <laughs> all right. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. So, um... Like you said, I'm a halfie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father's English, my mother's Bahraini, but I grew up in Bahrain. I did live in a couple other places, like uh, like Canada, and I-, I did live in the UK and Scotland for a while. Right. Um, but my most people will know me as the artist. Like I do a lot of art. I've always been into art since I was a kid, and now I teach art and uh, do creative things on the side as well.
0: Yeah. You do, that's a bit humble, honestly. <laughs> I have to say, she's, she's being... put that on the label as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Yeah. is is, is uh, multi talented. So many disciplines, and the, and the fact that she is an artist, uh, both. What, what would you? What kind of art would you describe yourself as? Um, well,
1: technically, I would put myself as an illustrator, but I do kind of fall under the category of doing some conceptual art as well because mm. I really enjoy installations, working with video, and things like that.
0: That's right. And uh, just to plug quickly on for the show, you are currently curating one of the local, uh, uh, well-loved,
1: second now? Second Second, iteration? Second edition, yeah.
0: Of Colab.
1: Yeah, Colab. Maljet's
0: Colab, which is sponsored by Red Bull, or is it considered sponsored? Is it hosted? Is it run by Red Bull? What is the distinction there? Hosted
1: by Red Bull, I guess, Yeah. yeah.
0: And this kind of a collaboration it's all about being blind to what it is the person you're working with right
1: yeah basically what it is is just um, an encouragement to all the creatives on the island to be more attuned to the different disciplines there and the people who are available to work creatively and basically we we just create this platform so that different disciplines can get together and work together but the first two editions have been Kind of blind experiments because we know that there are egos on the island, yes. <laughs> and some people don't like to work together. But that we've taken genius, that out actually. of there. Well, is, is not it. my idea. I can't take credit for it, but right. uh, it was one of the stipulations in the project. So we kind of worked with uh, in the first edition. Anyway, we worked with writers and visual artists. Instead sort of mm. what we got to do is that we got the writers to inter uh, to create a piece of work specifically for the exhibition and get the artist to interpret it so in the first case yes it was a blind and anonymous project but i don't think i could call it a collaboration right the second edition is more collaborative in the sense that now we've got the writers and the visual artists communicating
0: Oh, so they actually are interacting with each other. Yeah, we created
1: this platform so that they can anonymously talk to each other and not... Obviously, there's rules. You can't say who you are, where you come from and things like that because we don't want them to guess each other's identity. You don't, you shouldn't know the gender or anything about the person.
0: Is that inevitable though, considering how small the island is? Is it like 800,000 <laughs> people live on this island? We did,
1: we did our best to make it, uh, as, uh, as secretive as possible. So they all, uh, talked to each other at the conceptual stage. They both had the same inspiration. Right. Um, and I mean, you never know what's gonna happen, but in some cases we had people who shared so well together and some people who barely, you know,
0: yeah, there's Cons- barely interactions involved. Yeah. I actually had the privilege of, of helping uh, my wife's cousin, Sama, work on her video for All the right, last one. Uh, yeah, they shot that you, right uh, here.
1: Were you steamer? steam engineer?
0: I didn't get the credit I wanted. She she put me, I think, as a grip or something. I can't yeah. remember what it was. But I wanted steam technician or, or vapor engineer. Or, she didn't because I, I got the brilliant idea of her. She was shooting in my bathroom something to do with... Um, rebirth and this this woman that was going through her pregnancy and she was thinking about the cycles of life and all that and one of the things she wanted was this effect that her looking at herself in the mirror were like you know intense cloud and clouding steaminess. and steaminess. so i was like i'm just going to get my steamer from the laundry stuff and she was like this is genius hot <laughs> and I'm stuck in little holes. Just yeah,
1: you should see the picture of you, like yeah. under the sink, holding up the steam with your, like such an like determined face. A mole man
0: <laughs> that's very proud of his skills in life.
1: And you're not a, you're not a small man, so no, <laughs> squeezing no. into that hole was uh,
0: hilarious. It was, it was the, the highlight of my career. <laughs> Probably my last to work on any films. Um, but yeah, let's let's get back to like um, you were saying. There is the, the, the not just an ego problem, but there's this this, uh, this this kind of this is related to identity in a way. This issue with um, people are very much so working based on not just collaborating with people they like or people they can learn from, but what what kind of person matches their identity, whether or not they agree with that person, which seems very weird for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, what one thing that we say in our. Um... In our manifesto, is like, leave your, you know, inhibitions, your ego aside and, you know, embrace openness and like collaboration. And, uh, it's just really important for them to just leave all those preconceptions to one side. And that's why we've done the blind experiment because, uh, regardless of, you know, ethnicity, uh, religion, uh, political values, you know, you, you're gonna work with this person, you're not gonna know. What they believe in, yeah, you're just working from a creative level only about uh, around this theme that we've given them. So yeah. it really just it wipes the slate clean for them to just be creative and forget about all that other stuff.
0: see, I can I can understand where that comes from for a lot of people. i there it's very hard to get out, get over the tribal aspect. Uh, personally, w- when i I grew up, I felt like there was um there was a very big distinction between Bahrain and Saudi. Saudi's so huge population wise compared to Bahrain. And you tend to, because of this, like it, I told people before, this instinct to feel like, oh, kind of we're all uh, in the same boat together. You know, we're all being uh, monitored and regulated and what we can do, what we can't do all together. So people are just desperate to find anybody to work with. So if you're <laughs> if you're a grip or a movie guy or something, yeah. like, you just work with that person because of the desperation involved in that. So having that kind of a feeling, uh, it was very different when I came to Bahrain. What made you feel like collaboration was something you kind of already culturally expected?
1: Um, I guess I wasn't aware a lot of the time about, like, cultural differences and things because I did come from a a mixed background, a mixed uh, household, and uh, it wasn't until I went to, like, an international school that I thought, you know, oh, wow, you know, there are people from New Zealand and things like that, and they're all different, you know, my best friend was Japanese or Pakistani, and I started to learn other languages, and you just all became... um, you're all students, you're all global citizens, it didn't matter where you came from, or what you believed in, or what your family life was like, you just, uh, you work together, and I don't know friendship is a form of collaboration, I suppose, and uh, that was really important to me, because before then, I guess I I was kind of a little... Sheltered a little bit. I think a lot of people who grew up in Bahrain feel a little sheltered. But was that
0: by your family or by your own choice? You were just, you wanted to disconnect from the greater communities. (laughs) Because we're both, everybody I've had in the studio is an escapist in one form. Yeah, (laughs) socially anxious, socially awkward. Let me go back to. I was a shy
1: kid. I was a shy kid. Okay. I didn't, I didn't make friends very easily. Uh, So when I did, like, it was just like this one person who was really cool and I'd bring them back home uh, to hang out and stuff and then. Um, there were some cases where it became glaringly obvious the differences that were there. Like,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, one that
0: um how, how, old were, how old were you when this transition happened between like first learning about the differences between people and then going to St. Christ- St. Christopher's school, the international it school? It was too.
1: very close together because I think um, my first inclination towards the, like the differences is like I was maybe eight years old or something and one of my friends, I used to, Go hang out at her house was uh, Shia. And I didn't mm. know that that was a thing. Like, I didn't, I was like, oh, she's Muslim. So yeah. they're like, no, it's different. And I was like, why is it different? I don't get it.
0: And it's funny how they can't even explain, really. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's like, no, you should know they're different. Well, I mean,
1: I could see the differences. I'd go over yeah. there and like her prayer mat would have this little stone on it. I'm like, what is that? What is that for? I never right. had one of those. But um, yeah, it's just, it was so strange to me to see, you know, some maybe anxiety from my, from my family, right. knowing that I had a shia friend. It didn't occur to me at all. To be but did that
0: did that affect you, or did you feel like you were curious towards it? You wanted to know curious, more? I was curious,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, as I said, I wasn't aware before. Um, so that was my first, you know, inclination towards the fact that some people are a little close-minded. Yeah. Um, but very soon after that, I went to uh, the international school, and... It just, you know, you had all sorts of different kinds of friends from different places. My friends who were um, Indian and I'd go to and see, you know, the Hindu altar in their, mm. in their house and be so curious and interested in right. what they believed in. And it was never like a negative thing. I, I loved, you know, learning about these different cultures and their different beliefs.
0: You know, I, ironic how it, how it works out that some sometimes people that are... I've, I've seen this trend over and over again, people that are more... Uh, socially anxious or they don't fit in to or or are scared of involving themselves in in social situations or getting close to people there tends to be this thing that makes up for it on the other end where you're also more curious so even though you're scared to go into the the bubble of of relationships everything else the thing that scares the other people which is getting to understand why this thing is different why Mm -hmm. the otherness is not something to be scared of you're almost enticed you're, you're magnetized into finding out why why do they believe in this why do they worship this why do they you know
1: well i can kind of see a connection there were you know people who are more social tend to uh just naturally fall into the patterns of their cliques and stuff yeah so they're already surrounded by people who are like them whereas because we're the outsiders we're the outcasts we're just you know leftovers so we're all different yeah. from each other
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we- it's a way to cope with the boredom too isn't it <laughs> Sure. Like can't talk to people oh, cause, not because they don't want to they don't want me around that so. kid's
1: alone I'll go talk to him yeah
0: we <laughs> go figure out what this thing called Star Wars is maybe. yeah for <laughs> it sure. seems alien he'll bring but, us together maybe <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah when did that start becoming a thing that you actively let's say fought against in your life I know for me personally I didn't uh, there, there was a lot of you know the overarching social stigma of you know not wanting to mix different things and there's you know it, it wasn't even a lot of people like i said, I said this before in podcast, a lot of people misunderstand growing up in saudi to to think that oh it was some outside oppression right okay yeah. there was religious police there was everything else but really the number one thing that caused people to not want to interact on confusing topics or gray areas mm-hmm. was the desire to avoid conflict it was the best intentions if not wanting to, to you know avoid anybody getting hurt or be there being a misunderstanding misunderstand, yeah yeah and that's insulting someone there's yeah.
1: there's I mean, it's very difficult because there's very much, um, there are a lot of, like you said, little touchy areas and you have to avoid them. And even on the podcast, you got to be careful what yeah, you say. Yeah. Um, because it's very easy to, you know, cross the boundary into something that people will find offensive because, I mean, come on, social media, everybody's yeah. offended by everything these days. Oh, yeah. But um, in this case, th- these are, you know, these are very touchy subjects because they mean a lot to people.
0: Hey, yeah, and there's also, uh, there's this uh, kind of implication from our culture, which is the person pushing hard to break that barrier down, kind of wanting to find some resolution to this, mm-hmm. they're causing un- unnecessary or unneeded, Waves. yeah, mm-hmm. you're causing ripples that, why would you do that? Why, you guys already get along in a very amicable way, why would you want to f*** with that? <laughs> Don't worry about the swearing part, that's just, <laughs> But we'll try to monetize some other way.
1: Why would you want to change the status quo? Exactly. Um, well, it's all about liberation. You want to be able to be individual and unique in yourself. So you can't just follow the sheep around you. Right. So I think, yeah, it happened for me definitely. How
0: dare you though? Um, <laughs> how dare you cause strife and struggle and schisms? Our people are divided enough as it is. So that that is kind of a, an interesting point, at least from a personal level. When you were talking to your friends, when you felt like you... Uh, you, you have a different kind of uh, background than me. For example, I'm much more of a chicken nugget. We've talked about this <laughs> term. I've explained to people globally what chicken nugget is. And th- the spectrum changes. And the perspective of who can label somebody not Arab enough is different from one person to the next. Uh, so, Where's
1: the scale for this? I don't exactly? know. I want a chart.
0: I want to see it. I want to t- tell. Because I've honestly met um, – it's, it's really ironic. My, some of my Saudi friends, that are extreme Bedouins. And they're not that Arab as far as what they believe in or what people would label them as because of their unusual choices. So, for example, mm-hmm. I said once uh, a guy I knew was extremely into Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that full-bearded, yeah, and he's short he's He's, <laughs> like, the most Arab you're ever going to get. Like, poetry, history. But then he watches anime and, like, really cutesy anime as well. Oh like, it's just an amazing, like, blend of two things. <laughs> and, and whenever I see him... I remember uh, he'd be a lot more open-minded compared to a lot of other people I knew because he had that curiosity we spoke about. Mm-hmm. He was always attracted to the otherness. He wanted to understand why things weren't the way they are and wanted to kind of maybe in a way validate his own beliefs, right? And
1: we can gather from the anime that he was an outsider also. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but I think he just didn't know he was. That, that's the one distinction. But I loved him for it. And um, I would say, uh, here's the thing though. Uh, compared to let's say some of the UK kids, that I met mm-hmm. that are Pakistani or of Arab descent whether North African or anything else, they double down on their Arabness and that patriotism. And really? you know, Oh, yeah. A lot of them, like, I've been called out a bunch of times by them, as in, because I feel like from their side of it, they're trying to relate to something that they feel very distant about. Mm-hmm. So they need to overcompensate by showing, look, look how Arab I am. Yeah. At least that branch of it. Now, you are somebody I've met that is firmly in the middle. All of that. Like, I don't know how moderate you're considered or if if this is a scale from one side to another in the spectrum, Mm. but you seem to me to be somebody that doesn't necessarily... uh, You you relate to that side of your world because you grew up in a much more Arabic setting Mm -hmm. and then you went to a Western setting or international setting, but you still... The content you provide is balanced on either end, you'd say. You still... You're not one of the kids that would want to dis- disavow, for example, anything in your art that has anything to do with your culture. You would try to blend both and see where a new truth might emerge, maybe, perhaps. I'm
1: just putting words in my mouth now.
0: Uh, am I? Go <laughs> <laughs> ahead, yeah, disagree. What do uh, you got?
1: Well, I don't think... I don't know. It's it's actually surprising for you to say um, that I'm like, smack bang in the middle because I never thought I was. I definitely think that... I mean, people have called me a chicken nugget even though it's completely inaccurate. Yeah. Um, the reason is that I... Quite a long time ago, I kind of turned my back on uh, sort of my Arabic culture in a way. I mean, as soon as I became a teenager, um, I spent less time with the Arabic family. I spent less time with Arabic friends. I didn't mm. have any anymore. I had friends from all over the world. And slowly but surely, um, I lost my Arabic. I mean, yeah. I kind of have it, but it's... I mean, every time I do but, but, talk, it's but, just a mess.
0: But who gets to click? What, what are the, the checkboxes you would click on to say, well, this is what makes you an Arab? Because if, you, if we're going to assume that, um, let's say, if we're, we're going to say, well, the, 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 the agenda here is to say who's the most Middle Eastern? Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely the Sumerians. It's definitely the Syrians. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Okay. Cultures that have been around for thousands of years, and we don't mm-hmm. we don't associate us being closer or distant from them, right? Now, from that same regard, I see influence. You do have influence in your work that is based on you know Arabic culture. That,
1: yeah, but not in the way that you think.
0: And but it is. I kind it, of feel. Uh, am I wrong with, to assume that it bridges at least barriers in some way?
1: In some ways, yeah. It's more about a conflict more than a bridging.
0: Well, that then uh, to me a conflict ends with a resolution. At that point, you're asking people to see two sides of an equation, right? Mm-hmm. You're asking them to see things from both spectrums, yeah. And you criticizing how there is maybe not a connection there. Mm-hmm. I see that as trying to fill the connection. It's a harsh way of doing it, maybe. Okay. But it's still filling it.
1: Well, let me just say, try to explain my work then, because um, while I was doing my master's degree, I definitely um, was interested in trying to represent my identity, or not maybe maybe not my identity, but people uh, who could relate to me, their identity too. And it was always about uh, sort of where does your identity come from? What is, um, what is the scale by which you would, you know measure identity and it was it was a question of okay what do you believe where do you come from what is your nationality what language do you speak all of these things people think is their identity but to me it's it's more than that it's more of a um it's it's your it's your essence your your interests your experiences your friends people you keep around you um I think that's so much more important than, you know, where you grew up because, I mean, you didn't have a choice in that matter. That doesn't, right. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It does it matter what passport I have.
0: Well, well doesn't, doesn't that automatically kind of fall into the category I was saying before, which is if you feel like there is no point in trying to label what makes somebody an Arab or what makes you culturally uh, close to a certain identity… Mm-hmm then you're part of a new identity that is this global identity. It crosses barriers, it crosses cultures.
1: Transcultural. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So wouldn't that make you automatically, uh, uh, or do you feel like you don't have a right to say, I am as Arab as the next person?
1: I would never say that. I think when people say, when they ask me, where are you from? I never answer, I am blah. You don't. I don't have an answer for that. I just say I am, we am.
0: <laughs> I that I love, that's that's mostly how I'm, I look at things from my perspective, but to put you on the hot seat about yeah. this subject, if somebody was from, let's say, uh, the UK or the US, and they asked your opinion on, you know, from Middle East social commentary to politics to whether or not somebody should be PC around you about something, do you ever feel the need to not talk about those because you feel like you're just representing yourself? Or do you feel there's a part of you that says, well... I shouldn't be representing an entire culture, and neither should anybody else.
1: Um, that's a difficult question. Yeah. I definitely find myself defending my culture a lot, because people will have the wrong idea. And I'll just tell them from my experience what I have seen, what I know. Right. Um, but I do feel like I'm defending something that I'm not really a part of. Mm. Uh, so it is difficult for me. I just, I want it to be fair, that's all.
0: Yeah. Were you ever critical? around, because I, I've seen this effect, maybe you know it, um, there's this Arab cultural kind of tradition we have where, um, when we're between ourselves, it's okay to criticize us, right? But when we're showing the thing. <laughs> you they, can't
1: use that word, but I can. Yes. There,
0: there's that, a little bit of that. So, yeah. and, and there's, there's almost extreme kind of, um, painting it as like because we're, we're responding to maybe bigots or just general ignorant people yeah. that might not understand our culture mm-hmm. so we feel the need to overcompensate and explain to them why they're not seeing it right but we might some a lot of my friends might not paint the black image of what, the, the criticism we actually tell ourselves we won't let westerners know about it no. because it's like well we don't we'll want to air our it
1: in the family yeah
0: <laughs> exactly it's like you don't want to air the dirty laundry out right
1: i mean that's the case in every culture i think but i mean it's just one of those things i mean i haven't been a part of it a lot i know i know like in this group we might you know joke around about stuff but in the end i don't have that many arabic friends it's weird that now i do (laughs) (laughs) but you're all you're all you know you're not typical Arabs. Well,
0: this is, nobody is a typical Arab. That's uh, no, my firm belief. That's thing.
1: I, yeah. always, you've always got that image in your head of what a typical Arab is.
0: But it doesn't. It's the kind of point of the whole no, show. No, I'm like, telling
1: you, my brother is. Oh, is he? Okay, <laughs> yeah. I want to have
0: him on the show. I wanna, I'll, oh, I'll find his God. weakness. I'll dissect him.
1: He's, oh. a, he's a Warcraft fan, too. so is he? Yeah.
0: Ah. See, this is, it's so weird. Like even like the, the, a lot of people try to look for some logic or stereotype to what, for example, if you're a geek or a gamer, automatically you're a liberal. Not true.
1: Not true at all. If
0: you're uh, into the drama or the arts or anything else, or if you're an intellectual, you could be a liberal. Not true. All these things...
1: Most li- I mean, they are more likely to be.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't stop you in the Middle East, uh, not you as in, you yeah. beyond, but it doesn't stop an intellectual from thinking that, well, no, I am defending the grey, I'm defending the middle ground, mm-hmm. and therefore I'm not going to take any positions on anything, and I'll obf- obfuscate something to the point that there is, you know, uh, just me representing ideas that I won't take any firm position on one way or another. So, if if... If that person can easily defend conservative values in one way, and then easily defend liberal values in another way, I don't consider them a liberal. Okay. I consider them neutrally mm-hmm. and, and firmly and moderate in the middle. So chaotic I don't chaotic neutral. Chao- very much so chaotic <laughs> neutral. Maybe even true neutral for all I know. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily see that trend. I've always thought, uh, growing up, that I'd, I'd see a trend where you know, if you are more liberal, maybe Star Trek maybe
1: <laughs> see now you're talking about what i love
0: uh, well th- this is something I, I realized it could could connect here and, and and bring about something more clearly there's some stuff that does have extreme social commentary that i will notice more arabic liberals or arab liberals going towards mm-hmm. but if you like you know star wars or warhammer 40k that is or dnd that is not a representation of who you are
1: that's fantasy man Star Trek was always something that was near and dear to my. Ha- well, not always. I mean, I, I didn't really get to know it until I went to college, because it just didn't come in Bahrain TV. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I uh, thought it did at one point.
1: Oh, maybe it did, but I just missed it. Maybe, it was, maybe the
0: old one, not not my next parents gen. never
1: bought cable ever. <laughs> we were so stingy.
0: <laughs> well, no, Orbit was overpriced. To be fair, oh for really sure, annoying. we never had that. Yeah. man. Yeah, piracy all the way.
1: No, not even. We just had Bahrain TV. <laughs> MTV, is this and 90s NBC, no NBC, is this sorry. early
0: 90s or is this 95 94
1: um late 90s into the 2000s even. Oh, okay yeah
0: all right <laughs> yeah that, that that would be about right because you only had aramco and, and channel 55 which is the, the mm-hmm. bahrain channel bahrain and, yeah, exactly but i yeah i feel like star trek was at least for my mom's a bunch of other people the you know 1960s star trek the original it was a lot of um it it highlights the ways in which you can talk about social issues indirectly without the sensitivity because it's now you're portraying something that isn't, an specific, issue anymore yeah.
1: it's a future like idealistic future where everybody just gets along there's no poverty there's no war except yeah. with other alien other aliens, races yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which just don't get it you know because they're they? they're still you know evolving and changing their ways like okay that's offensive Klingons are very warrior-like why are the
0: brown Klingons the ones that can't get their act together why I know it's
1: funny yeah. isn't it yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, you know they're getting a lot of like I think it was um what is it Kirk Shatner He's getting Kirk a Kirk Shatner.
1: Kirk Shatner.
0: <laughs> the Kirker. Uh, William Shatner is getting a, a beef, I think, recently for saying that he that people are too sensitive and that they're PC. And they're like, how dare you, sir? Star Trek was all about social commentary and you don't understand people's sensitivities. And, and he, would, he just turned them off. I can't remember what the exact quote was, but. He was
1: defending Star Trek? Like, what was he defending?
0: He was like, well, it's a show, people. Calm down. Like, yeah. he was just talking he he had I think some commentary to do with a uh, uh, something controversial. I don't know but he, he, it didn't it's probably one of those things where he just said an off offhand remark and people jumped on him as if he's supposed to represent
1: yeah people are so nitpicky these days. yeah
0: they they they're willing to to say well you are a beacon mm-hmm. to your to your group so you should represent your values. Do you feel like you ever are put in that kind of a pressure though like you personally? No
1: but I don't think Kirk should have been either. It's Spock, who is the beacon.
0: Oh, he's, he's dead now, so he gets to get away with it. Yeah, Sorry about that. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy, rest in peace. But yeah, I do feel like uh, a lot of times whenever I'm talking about this issue to um, either... Well, it's funny because I'll be talking to a Westerner, explaining to them their ignorance about the region, how they're really painting the issues in black and white, and there's a lot of nuance in between. And a lot of my friends that are patriotic and, and, you know, very tied to their culture would be very happy about that. They'd be like, well, thank you. You're mm-hmm. defending us. Yeah, like, go ahead. Tell them. Stick it to the white man or stick it to But Then this. you turn
1: on them and be like, be more yeah, <laughs> tolerant it's and stuff. He's like, I wasn't defending you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because there is this like the, you know, me against the world type of thing, right? Yeah. We're, we're both bad guys or we're both flawed us together. Us them. Yeah, us versus them. So... I, f- I always kind of try to remind people that even if I'm, t- you know, have, having these talks with people on the show, I don't represent anybody but myself. Same with you, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what do you do when people expect you to kind of represent your culture?
1: Oh, I just, you know, I, I hate controversy and like political and social questions like that. I just d- generally shy away from them because I'd rather talk about art <laughs> and things that don't require this kind of... Um, conflict all right I I don't enjoy it I mean I I have conflict in my art but it's done in a very you know subdued way nobody gets angry nobody gets pissed off at each other
0: fair enough fair um
1: but yeah I've just never been one for um confrontation in general
0: so would you consider art as the purpose of art so a bunch of people take comedy's purpose is to criticize no matter what it is even if you're Mm -hmm. laughing at it and it's inclusive I think it was John Cleese that said it was co- always going to be criticism about something yeah. because you're criticizing something that we're flawed in that we all know we're flawed in and we want to laugh about it. Yeah. Does does your art represent that to you as well or is it do you feel like there's boundaries where you don't cross or or things that you don't want to be touching or
1: Well, it's difficult because only in this, you know, particular environment and climate you you avoid certain things because you don't want to you don't want to hit a nerve, you know, and in my previous work I'd um, created sort of a conflict of identity and there was a lot of questions about who are you and who do you want to be and who are you, who you make yourself to be or are you what they made you. So um, I, from a personal point of view, I felt very much sort of suffocated by Arabic culture and being made to be a certain way or being told I should be a certain way and wanting that liberation. So the conflict was to be resolved with freedom. And and I guess it's kind of um, ironic that in the end I didn't really have the freedom to express the concept completely because people would be offended by that idea yeah. but I left it open-ended so that people you know would take those questions and study you know the imagery and take it the way they want to take it I had I had one woman who is, um, originally Palestinian, who broke out into tears in the middle of the installation because she felt like it was all about her and leaving, you know, her her home behind and what has she become now? And she... Uh, she was just really touched by it.
0: Oh, I know a lot of Palestinians that that that's a really big issue for them. Identity is a constant struggle. Mm-hmm. They they've it's almost like a Catholic guilt level. Uh, <laughs> Catholic self, guilt. Yeah, yeah, It's it's really a, they beat themselves up about it the whole time because they have they have this twin responsibility of leading their own lives in in other countries where they're maybe not it's not Palestine. They mm-hmm. they might be in the U.S. and I've met them and they feel really bad about. it They feel like they've somehow betrayed their culture, betrayed their people, or betrayed. The, so there's, they mm-hmm. always don't know where they stand and yeah. it's one of the saddest things for me to see because they're there they're these successful people they can be you know pillars and uh, of society uh, graduating from highest institutions creating work but then they feel like they, they don't know where they stand with anybody
1: you know, they feel like uh, transient identities yeah. where they're not quite where they come from but they're not they don't belong where they are either yeah it's, it's a really interesting like topic itself
0: yeah, I think I'd need to get somebody in here who is actually Palestinian, or or, or uh, someone
1: who's left their home
0: and changed. Yeah, get that little eye uh, perspective on that. That's another mm-hmm. one. Now, uh, back on track. If if you had to say, uh, what is what would be the biggest struggle when it comes to because using art as kind of a, a, this delivery mechanism for challenging people's ideas and and making sure you you you're also tolerating some other people that you might not agree with and you're mm-hmm. respecting their points of view? Do you feel like you ever do that on a social level when you deal with people? Because you know if you're if you're leading a community of people like you do in, in art, you're setting up installations. You have to mm-hmm. kind of be a bit of a diplomat. Do you, from a personal level, do you feel like it's a challenge to kind of um, tolerate certain points of views or uh, be honest and blunt about what they can and can't do? Because there are people that are a lot less politically diplomatic than you are. Yeah, I that always want to burn the system down without seeing the consequences.
1: It's um, it's funny because I feel like that's something everybody is already prepared to do because they live in the society and they know that there's certain things they can't say or do. Um, so they've automatically censored themselves for the most part. I don't have, I've never had an issue with anybody's like content of their work. And when we do work together, it's very much a, you know, leave your baggage at the door type of thing because we're working as creatives. We're all on the same level. It doesn't matter where anybody comes from. Like the the first collab we had, we had a Palestinian woman. Um,
0: it's not the same woman, is it? No, different, different,
1: different (laughs) woman. um, and you know she was quite different to the person that she was uh, linked up to, but they worked so well together. In fact, they turned out to be friends, who oh, didn't really? know that they were actually working on the same project and stuff. Um, you know, everybody just works together well, and uh,
0: so that's a benefit of the collab. But in your of the
1: blind collab, yeah, the yeah, blind cl-
0: collab. But is it is it? Is it your experience that you have to? Um, have you ever had? Because I've I've dealt with this in, in Saudi, where uh, I've seen the extreme one extreme where people self censor, mm-hmm. and they b- develop this issue with being able to express themselves out of fear. Like I have it right now. Mm-hmm. You have it. We're, we have the benefit. <laughs> we, have of, the <laughs> we have the fear. We have the fear. We have the benefit of editing as well. <laughs> but um, even having that and worrying about all these little issues, we're getting into. Do you feel – there's people I met that are the other extreme and they're – you know, they could be young, about 18, you know, college to Mm 25-year-olds and they're very smart, very opinionated, very expressive and they still don't really understand the consequences of any actions they do. Yeah. And their first goal, whether it's derid- derivative work or whether it's mm-hmm. just, you know, outrage for the subversive. sake of outrage yeah, or submers- subversive for the sake of being subversive, yeah. isn't that a constant theme? I've had to deal with it all the time. Well,
1: it's not so much in my collab sort of uh, art curation work. It's more in like, as, as a teacher, I teach, you know, teenage uh. girls <laughs> who are all doing like the IB program and you know, I, I push them so hard to come up with um, really interesting concepts from their point of view, their perspective, and to have a voice. But then I kind of have to silence them a little bit because wow. within, I mean, within our school and within the IB program, you are, um, you have, you're limited by ethics, yeah. There are ethical guidelines on what you can discuss. And as long as it's appropriate to your environment, then you have all the freedom in the world, but you have to be careful of other people's values. So I do sometimes find uh, my students will just go that little bit too far and I have to pull them back a little bit and just make it a little bit more abstract so that people don't get it straight away <laughs> type of thing. But, uh you know, it, it's fair enough if you want to, you know, explain it in detail in your sketchbook, yeah, yeah. but the artwork should not, um, you know, fully... Did, insult anybody <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you feel do you feel like you ever get like stabbed a little bit in the gullet when like uh, they, they, someone would be like teach you're part of the system you don't get it burn down the machine <laughs> they
1: would never say that I'm their home dog
0: yeah yeah. You, they've called me that yeah.
1: <laughs> i miss home dogs
0: <laughs> so it's not then you don't feel like there's there's a little bit of betrayal of yourself or anything no, else when you try to rein them in you know i don't, mean
1: they they live in the same society they know the exact same thing because they know that their their parents are going to come to see this exhibition at the end yeah, of the year they're but not going to put anything
0: yeah but someone let's be admit, you teach teach in say chris or
1: no, no i teach at chica School. School. okay
0: so that's still some people that are you know could be coming off from a little bit of a a well-off background, I guess. Say some of they're them. They're all
1: well-off, well, off, well yeah. for the most part, and they come from that background where you know the the values, you know, the Islamic and Arabic values are, like they're hugely uh, a huge part of the school. Yeah. And their lives itself. So, um,
0: but, Yeah, but if you have a well-off background combined with being in a religious school and you kind of maybe resent <laughs> a it. Other, yeah, because <laughs> there's a bunch of my friends that went through that. Thank God I didn't ever feel like that. But uh, I know mm-hmm. friends that were very, uh, you know, having opinionated liberal bl- beliefs about, you know, screw the system or whatever it is that they want. They feel like they have to rage against, you know, machines or whatever. <laughs> but uh, th- those kids will very much so speak out loudly and in spite of whatever it is you say because... Because they feel like they're in that kind of a school, you know what I mean? Um, Very counterculture.
1: I don't know. I, I think... I'm, I'm going to say something sexist in a second. Go ahead, <laughs> Go ahead. yes. I it. think it's because you came from like a co-ed school. The girls are a little bit more subdued. They're a little careful about how they word things and how they, how they you know, subvert in their own way. So a lot of them are more interested in expressing themselves and not necessarily... You know, shouting out to the heavens, yeah. the negatives and things like that. They yeah. they do show you know different social aspects. Uh, definitely, a lot of them are feminists. How you know? old are these kids? Um, like sixteen to seventeen.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Like at that age, and they already show like an understanding of like.
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. There's a lot of feminist girls, like uh, students who, you know, that's their entire uh, theme for the entire two years that they're doing it. They're just studying all the ways. That they're not equal in the society. And
0: they're very sociopathic about how they (laughs) kind of like subdue and play the game and make sure they're not really.
1: I think that, I mean, to be honest, we're not talking about something that is unknown. It's a very, it's very obvious in our environment that, you know, uh, to some extent, women are not given the same liberal sort of, uh, luxuries that uh, men are and these are these are girls who come from families where uh, okay their brother who's younger than them can go wherever he, he wants yeah. and nothing uh you know nothing's nothing is an issue them. Yeah, yeah yeah but they have to have a chaperone they have to go to school and come right back and all this stuff um uh,
0: So they have a lot to say about that Uh, very easily, yes. Uh, For most of you that don't know this from a global uh, community, because we are kind of making this show for you guys to understand, uh, there's one thing that's very common here that girls have to worry about a lot more than the guys do, which is if girls misstep and accidentally do something that they might regret that will tarnish their reputation – I know a lot of you jump to the idea of honor killings and all this other oh crap. My God. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about social stigma they have to live with for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. that just affect who they get to be, uh, you know, what social circles they get to be accepted into and what they don't uh, you know, and the opportunities that are no longer available for them. They're just gone forever because mm-hmm. of one misstep maybe where, uh, you know, reputation gets tarnished for them doing something that is not appropriate for a girl to do. However, for guys we have this kind of get out of jail free card yeah. where we can... it's almost the expected. Golden armor. Yes, it's almost expected. Like we have plus three to our, our AC. Get plus to just, one for magic. Yeah, it's, I don't, it, it's, yeah, we can, we can, we can mess up. We can, uh, you know, do things that we, we, we should be able to we should be regretting you know mm-hmm. but short of like killing a tiger on instagram people will just let you get away with anything almost here.
1: even that gets swept under the rug eventually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean i think a man in in the society can basically do no wrong yeah it's uh it's kind of crazy and then a girl has so many pitfalls that are available to her yeah um so that's why they have to be more careful and that's why they're more subdued about what they say and what they do but They can speak out as a woman about the experiences that they have. So that's what they mostly focus on. So I have, um, I have girls who, uh, talk about, you know, um, having a voice in the society, having the, uh, the freedom to move as they wish, to do what they wish to uh, study out of the country because some are not allowed to do that because the family doesn't feel comfortable sending them to another country. They don't, oh, yeah, and they're crazy they qualified as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so annoying to it's, see. It's horrible because some yeah. girls are just like stuck um, studying here when they have so many more opportunities going to you know the UK or the US or wherever. It yeah, I can't go.
0: remember what the statistic is, but the graduation rate in Saudi for, for girls being a lot more qualified it, than guys was just insane. It was through the roof. Mm-hmm. And yet those degrees and that brain power, that resource mm-hmm. doesn't really get utilized in any way. Yeah. So it was one of my beefs with, with, with uh, just for me, I'm speaking about myself, here, guys remember that, my beef with, uh, uh, you know, my background in Saudi and other GCC countries, which is we have a lot of qualified people with what I consider a resource. It's no different than oil or gas or, you know, whatever it is you want to compare, a greater economy. And we're losing a lot of these great people, these great minds, because they're forced to choose. Mm-hmm. Do I stay with my family and friends and my culture that I love? but not get to be me and utilize my potential to the fullest? Or do I leave, feel like a traitor, abandon my, my heritage, mm-hmm. my family, and go to a country which is more tolerant? Like, I remember there was this statistic in Saudi. It was something, uh, it was it made a big deal in the news where it was like, uh, they came back with a study about how, how many Saudis were not coming back after living abroad and like, deciding to live in the UAE or some other Gulf Arab states, and they wouldn't go back to Saudi. Mm-hmm. And, and and like the government wants to put a, a study, a research into finding out why
1: and how to bring them back.
0: Yeah, I, wonder, I don't even how know do we, how to bring them back. How it's... do
1: we bring our boys back?
0: <laughs> bring them back, all the women, all the men. We need them. We need you.
1: Well, it's funny. I have that situation even just within my family. Really? Like I I told you, my brother's like the typical Arab. And then my other brother... Which is hilarious.
0: (laughs) Just the the flip side between you two.
1: He's got the beard and the thumb and the wife, (laughs) you know. Um, But he's... uh, My other brother is like the complete opposite. He went... He's one of those boys who went to study in the UK and never came back. Not
0: just study. He's a freaking genius. (laughs) He has...
1: A white girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> come back and marry an Arab girl. This is what my grandmother says constantly. She just wants him to come back she to and be like, yeah, Wahashna. Wahashna. Come back to, <laughs> you know, you have to stay here. You have to get a job and and get married in Bahrain. Everything yeah. has to happen in Bahrain.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, he's, you know, obviously he's moved on and he he doesn't feel comfortable here. So why? Well, Why make him do that? Speak,
0: and, and by the way, guys, I know for a lot of people when we say this, you, you have this typical image of, oh, he's this spoiled liberal kid that wants to go enjoy partying. And, no, you know, I'm gaming. talking You're, about... I know, but wait. I want to say... <laughs> I want to say, tell them who your brother is and what kind of <laughs> qualification he has.
1: Okay, so my brother is two years younger than me, he went to the same school as me. He got um, the Crown Prince Scholarship to get his entire uh, university degree paid for. Hmm. He went to Oxford University Mm -hmm. in the UK. You've heard of it, right? Yeah, (laughs) okay. And studied pure maths for, uh, three years and then did his masters in it and was offered a grant to do his PhD, but, you know, turned it down because he didn't feel like it. Yeah,
0: because that's what geniuses do. Yeah, he's just just
1: like, I just want to, you know, focus on my music right now.
0: (laughs) 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 But whether he does or doesn't, I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's a common misconception for, for people in, in uh, back home, you know, in the region where people assume, okay, maybe statistically speaking, the majority of people that do seek out other cultures and decide, you know, what, I don't feel welcome in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are artists, right? But we're losing a lot of engineers. We're losing people like your brother. We're losing a pe- people that are qualified. They would be able to contribute in society in so many different ways that would improve everybody's life for the better. Mm-hmm. But because they feel trapped and forced to make this choice... They're, they're always going to choose the culture that makes them feel more welcome and more comfortable and more comfortable for being yeah. who they are. So do you find that is something you can almost predict when you look at your students or?
1: Oh, definitely. There are some who uh, fall under the you know not typical and clearly has a potential to go further and would definitely flourish in a different culture that was a bit more open. Right. Uh, and then there's there's others who are, you know, perfectly happy in their own society and are very strongly connected to their family, their religion, and are extremely intelligent and are going to do well anyway. But those, you know, those opportunities overseas are just not going to be there for them.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so in a way, they are slightly... Uh, negatively negatively affected by that
0: but does, does that relate to usually or kind of translate into a, uh, some form of like giving up on, on life giving up because that's kind of what I went through honestly I feel so I feel like I wasted a lot of my time to do what I did, which is just kind of be like, you know what I don't want to deal with this. And I'll just go into escapism. I'll go into my geeky stuff. I'll go into (laughs) video games and all that.
1: It makes it, you know, tolerable to be in a place that you don't want to be in. It's the
0: easier choice. It's like, okay, I don't have to fight with my parents, I don't have to fight with my culture or anything else, and we can all get along, as long as I just go to this invisible world that doesn't exist, <laughs> and we're all happy, right?
1: Yeah, because you control that world that doesn't exist, yeah, right? I do, I do. And you can't control this one.
0: Can't. So, do you feel like you'd lose some of your students that are bright and brilliant to escapism? Not that they wouldn't come out of it, they, they could at some point in their lives, but any early on potential might be gone, and, and they're just, you know, spending... Instead of their, their studies, instead of focusing on you know, their future, they decide, I'm just going to focus on a video game future.
1: Well, yeah, there are definitely those students around, but it's more, um, they escape into the world of social media, the illusions right. of of that, that world. Uh, they're so obsessed with appearances and looking like they're having the time of their lives, you know, and money is just growing on trees and stuff like that, that you know, that becomes a bit of an obsession for them. And definitely they lose a few opportunities. You know, they don't work as hard as the other girls who don't care so much about that stuff. Um, But that's just, uh, that's the case in this kind of, this time, these millennials. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say these millennials, but I technically am a we millennial. are, millennial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, don't, we don't know where <laughs> don't we are. Don't feel like no. it, but yeah. I,
0: we're supposed to be 80s kids somehow, somewhat because everything showed up late culturally, you know, yeah. references and movies and all that. I was like, Five years later on, so I sh- technically should be an early '90s '85 kid, but then I'm not yeah. because I saw the beginning of the internet as well and all that other stuff. But mm-hmm. weird. So do you, give us a hopeful note here. We've gone. We've, kind of, <laughs> we've given. We've shown people a lot of the different spectrums and perspectives that that kind of exist. What would you say is the one thing that you feel like is changing compared to how it was before when you were growing up? Where you know, whether it's on a social level, uh, economic level, whether it's Even the powers that be.
1: I can't speak for the powers that be, but... (laughs) you shouldn't.
0: You shouldn't. That was just me saying it for the sake of saying it, but never talk Um, about them.
1: We we do not speak of them.
0: We do not speak of those (laughs) who shall not be named.
1: Um, I think one thing that's really changed, at least from my perspective, is that more people have a voice. And maybe it's because of social media and communication technologies, but... uh, I definitely see um, a surge in the arts in Bah'rain and people are more able to voice ex- and express themselves maybe with some you know um, you know some reservations and some limitations, but for the most part, they are able to express themselves and communicate their ideas. I just think that at least from my perspective when I was uh, here 10, 20 years ago, that you know that wasn't so available that wasn't so accessible and now it's it's a much uh, much easier to get your ideas out there
0: that's good to hear i feel like that was the one hope uh, i have for kids now is that they get to see uh, other versions of people just like them showing them a better way
1: and that's exactly what you're doing right now this is your platform for getting your ideas and our ideas out there
0: hopefully (laughs) because i remember a time where i just i was dying to hear somebody that was like me or, or or was me that would give me hope that there was something better so if i am giving you hope or just <laughs> driving you closer to insanity let us know and give us your feedback um i think we're almost yeah we're over our time we're about 15 minutes in so that was great thank you honestly am for being here thank um, you so much you've, uh, i would like to have you over here a lot more you've um and, and maybe i can figure out why every time i record my mic sounds different but <laughs> um yeah we're getting there anyway um if there's anything you want to plug i don't think you have anything to plug today do you want anything on social media or
1: um by the time you've aired this is too late yeah so. <laughs> collab is going
0: to be done but guys remember that collab doesn't happen here it is hosted by melja's red bull kind of facility uh we all has plenty of projects to be had so if you're in bahrain get in touch with me leave feedback or comments and i'll point you in the right way everybody out there take care Okay you guys, that's it. Um I just want to thank Weam once again and uh remind you guys you can follow her on Instagram with the uh handle at Weam underscore bh. And uh thank you for tuning in. I'd just like to remind you that please, please, if you do enjoy the show, your support is much appreciated. You can show your support by liking, sharing, subscribing. And don't forget that if you do subscribe, And you want to hear the show uh, the second it's released or at your own time without having to go search if a new episode is out, just hit that little bell underneath the subscribe button that'll notify you immediately. You know, just a little hint of a reminder that we're on. All right, you guys, you have a good one, huh?